You're listening to DraftKings Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, good people? Today marks the official transition to the Tomahawk Show. And we got a full house today. My partner in crime, Joe Thomas, is in the building. Juju Gotti, Fat Nat, former NFL QB Bruce Gradkowski. And we talk Taylor Swift conspiracy theories, Bengals slow start, a Khalil Mack story that should be a Hollywood movie, and so much more. Let's get into it. Who are these guys? It's my theme music. Every good hero should have some. This is an institution of learning, ladies and gentlemen. If you can't control it, how can you teach? Discipline is not the enemy of enthusiasm. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the world-famous Tomahawk Show. This is a very significant episode because this marks the official return of the Tomahawk Show. If you don't know, my name is Andrew Hawkins. I'm your humblest of all co-hosts here on the Tomahawk Show. I'm a seven-year NFL veteran. And more than anything, I'm just really excited to be back. I am joined, of course, by the man that needs no introduction, but I will give it anyway, Joe Thomas, 11-year NFL veteran, 10-time Pro Bowler, college football Hall of Famer, uh, pro football Hall of Famer, the University of Wisconsin Hall of Famer, Cleveland Brown Hall of Famer, what other Hall of Fames have I missed? This is official. This isn't even fake or made up. This is not a bit. These are the first things that actually are true that we've said on this podcast. <laughs> I am actually a Wisconsin track Hall of Famer as That's well. Ridiculous. I'm yeah, in my Hall of Fame at my high school. Um, and I think you got them all. Maybe the World Fishing Hall of Fame someday and uh <laughs> podcasting hall of fame because we were the original duo uh doing a podcast as athletes. So feel like we, we started the trend so the Kelsey's can thank us and send us that check whenever they feel like it uh, I, for that royalty fee. I couldn't agree more. We have never gotten Taylor Swift to come on this show ever. So uh, they have done some things that we have never done. And we have done some <laughs> things that at least gave them an idea of what to do. Listen, if this is your first time joining the show, me and Joe started this podcast around five to six years ago. We were former teammates in Cleveland. And we've kind of kept this bromance going. You know, I am the only one of us who has a college degree because Joe dropped mm. out to go to the NFL and I have two of those. Um, mm. But then he made like 100 million more dollars than I did. So it kind of balances out. You know what I'm saying? Also joining us on the show today are two of my favorites. We got Fat Nat, original Tomahawk OG in the building. Nat, how you doing today? What up? I'm good. How are you guys? I'm so happy that we're doing this. I missed you. I missed the Tomahawk show. So this is going to be great. I love it. We are all over the country. Technology is crazy. 
Also joining us, I got Juju Gotti, my man, Metalark Media veteran, WNBA purist, knower and fan of all things sports, ATL. Shawty, Juju, what's up, man? How you doing today, bro? What to do, my brothers and my sister? I am so honored and appreciative to be here. Holy moly. The Hall of Famer and the beauty queen and the <laughs> pizzazz man himself. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Thank you guys for inviting me and having me involved in greatness. Listen, the reason why Juju, I, I, he had to be a part of this was because there is not a person who will make you feel better about them, yourself on planet mm -hmm. Earth. And that is an actual fact. Here's another fun fact about Juju that, that Nat and Joe, you might not know. He was in an Oscar winning movie, a since shamed movie. Um, nonetheless, it was Oscar winning. The Blind Side. <laughs> Juju. Oh, Yes. What was your what was your role in the blind side, Juju? What was the name was, of your official character? I was gangster number three, goddamn. <laughs> gangster hood. number three, yes. Every time she went to the hood, I was cussing her ass out. Every time she pulled her, I was like, this I is PG thirteen, so they had to strip all my lines off. This is and not a joke. Salute to SAG after it, but I'm not a part. This is not a joke. <laughs> if you watch the blind side, every time Sandra Bullock goes into the hood to go, you know, help out Michael Orr's character, Juju was cast as one of the thugs in the hood with the tattoos, no shirt, chains on, black and mounted. <laughs> Stereotype number one was his role, and he didn't get his Oscar <laughs> trophy, but damn it, he deserved it. Hey, Just someday I want to be known as gangster number three in a movie. <laughs> not in this lifetime, buddy. I don't think you could pull it off. Um, you have a better chance <laughs> of being cast as Michael Orr, who, I don't know if you guys know the update here, but... A uh, judge <laughs> ended Michael Orr's conservatorship, and I only know what that is because of Britney Spears, but basically what happened was apparently they tricked Michael Orr, his adopted family, into signing a contract that basically allowed them to control all of his money, and they've been making all the money, and every, money, every dollar that Michael mm. Orr makes, they split six ways between the family. And the judge was quoted saying, I cannot believe this mm. went on for so long. This is one of the worst contracts I've ever seen. That was like their direct quote. Does that ruin the blind side for you? I'm from a small country town in Georgia, you feel me? That movie is the talk of the town sometimes. Everything's given. So salute to the blind side. I'm so sorry the two is uh, unfortunate type of people. I hope y'all uh, piece together East Coast, <laughs> West Coast beef sometime soon, Michael Orr. I hope get well soon. But the blind side changed my life, and I will forever be appreciative of my Auntie Sandy and the director of that movie. Uh, Nat, did, did, were you a fan of the blind side? I mean, I watched it a couple times. I wouldn't say like it it ruined it for me, but it, it's just a sad story. And honestly, if it made Juju like famous, then I'm here for it. Yeah, see, I like that. I, I like that 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 commitment. <laughs> Joe, <laughs> Blindside, where are you at on it? Were you a big fan of that movie? Be honest, bro. Well, I was because, of course, it's a, a lovely story uh, that has now since been canceled. However, <laughs> I was especially a big fan because I was a left tackle and it was when I was in college. So I was coming out and they were talking about how people actually like left tackles now and they're important and they should be paid uh, king's ransom for protecting the blind side of the quarterback. So I was all on board. If we could trick people into thinking that left tackles had any influence on a team winning, I was all for it. But as you know, Hawk, you lived it. Doesn't matter who your left tackle is if you've got <laughs> nobody throwing the ball to Andrew Hawkins when he's in the end zone. You know what, Joe? I I, I I shouldn't be surprised that you I am. Yes, you are a left tackle. So I am shocked that you wouldn't watch that movie and know how ridiculous it is that his adopted mom came in and taught him how to play left tackle. And that's how he got to the NFL. <laughs> 
I, mean, I actually read the book first. Ah, okay. And I'm not sure that that happens in the book. <laughs> <laughs> Good old NFL Hollywood. Speaking of which, let's get into some Tama headlines. Number one is Taylor Swift was back at an NFL game this week. She went to go watch the Chiefs take on the Jets. The Chiefs did not look good. I don't know if that was a coincidence, but it was very star-studded, and the camera could not get enough of Taylor Swift. Joe, where are you at on the Taylor Swift meter? Are you for this or are you against this? So I'm for it, but if I was a Chiefs fan, I'd be very nervous. If you remember when Tony Romo was dating Jessica Simpson, that was a big thing, right? And then every time Jessica was at the game, they blamed her when they lost. So I'm wondering, since they didn't really play all that well in the last couple games that Taylor Swift has been there, maybe at least not up to their standard, that if they're they're going to start blaming Taylor Swift if the Chiefs do not look like they were Super Bowl champions. So if I was Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, I'd be a little bit nervous about making it too much of a big deal because when things don't go well, you know all those Chiefs fans are going to be pointing the finger at all, all of Taylor Swift's fans uh, and her herself for highlighting the stress and the anxiety <laughs> that Travis Kelsey must be under having to play in front of the most famous person in the entire world. It's already too much. I I, I mean, it feels, I got a conspiracy theory, but I'll let Juju chime in here. Juju, what do you, mm-hmm. what do you think about Taylor Swift as, as part of the NFL fandom? I love it. My <sighs> sister bringing in a whole new viewership. You feel me? Like all the women around the world, the, the Taylor Swift fans, they have a reason the to Swifties. watch football now. You feel me? like it makes the Sunday, Hey, you want to watch the game? Uh, sure. Taylor Swift is it's awesome to me. You know, I, I love watching it. So I don't know if it's going to last forever. I don't think we're going to blame her if it go wrong. They won 40 to zero almost with the Bears last week. So it's not going too bad. It's the Bears, but, though. The Bears. Yeah, I mean, that's it. You know, Zach Wilson looked fantastic in front of her last night. Though, he so. did. And that we're going to get into you, that. You do have a point. I think it's fake, though. I think this is a fake relationship. Nat, do you think mm. this is fake? Be honest. <laughs> I don't think it's fake, but I think it's kind of like inflated a little bit. You know, I feel like fake. I feel like it's not going to last, but I do feel like <laughs> they're just like milking the hell out of it, obviously. All right. Are you all ready to hear my conspiracy theory around Taylor Swift? Mm, and the yeah. NFL? All right. Let me take you back. This is going to get into there's a show here at Meadowlark Media and the DraftKings Network called Basketball Illuminati. We might have to start Football Illuminati because this is going to get <laughs> a little deep. All right. I'll take you back a couple of months. It was announced that Taylor Swift turned down the Super Bowl halftime performance. Do you guys remember that headline? Mm-hmm. All right, that was a big deal. And that kind of did a little bit of a punch to the face of the NFL, right? The NFL was like, man, we want to get Taylor Swift, one of the biggest artists of this generation, a part of NFL. How do we do so? Taylor Swift says, why would I come perform at halftime, not get paid? My fans are going to buy my albums regardless. I'm Taylor Swift. You got to make it make sense for me, NFL. NFL says, well, how can we help you, Taylor Swift? She says, I have a movie coming out October 13th, okay? I could really use a nice rollout and really dive into your fandom, but not in a little way. I don't want to just, like, you know, be a mention or be a part of a commercial. I need to take over the NFL. The NFL says, we've never done anything like this, but I'll entertain it. Who do you think we could use to help roll this out? She says, I don't know. Is who who is who is someone that is loved by every demographic that you have as fans? We said we have one player. His name is Travis Kelsey. He's a white <laughs> tight end, but he's kind of black in some ways as well. So everybody kind of loves him. She's all right. I'll take it. So then, what happens? Are y'all following me? Because I'm giving you a lot right now. 
It's making sense so far. You're making sense. So the movie comes out October 13th. There's a sequence. First, Travis Kelsey says he wanted to give her a friendship bracelet and she shunned him, right? That was the first we heard about it. Three weeks later, it's announced that they went on a couple of dates. So now all of a sudden he goes from, you know, getting the cold shoulder left on red in the DMs so now they're going on a couple of days, which is believable. Travis Kelsey's a good-looking guy, as Nat will tell you. She's She's been a fan for a very long time, yeah. right? And then two weeks later, she's at the game. Not only is she at the game, she is cheering like all the wags you've ever seen at NFL games. And mm. NFL wags are wives and girlfriends for all the beginners out there. What I think is the deal was you thrust us into the pop culture spotlight. Now Travis Kelsey's being covered by Page Six. He looks uncomfortable looking, walking out of stadiums. It doesn't feel real. I think this is a marketing rollout that will eventually end in Taylor Swift performing at the halftime of the Super Bowl a year from now. I'm down for reactions. Joe, I'll start with you. So I really like how you've put those pieces together. You've read the tea leaves because I, I actually was convinced I like it because at first I was thinking, you know, what does Taylor, Taylor Swift need from Travis Kelsey, right? Taylor's already meteorically beyond where Travis Kelsey is as far as her popularity. So like hooking her wagon to Travis really doesn't do anything for the Swifties or other people that potentially could be Swifties, but you're right. The NFL fan base, I would say by and large is probably not huge Taylor Swift fans, but Mm -hmm. they might start listening to the music. They might start enjoying her movies or content. If they have a vested interest in everybody in the NFL loves Travis Kelsey to your point. So I'm, I'm totally on board and I can't wait Till you do some more investigative work on there and, and give us some more details. We're going deep, Juju. What you got for me? I love it. Look, Swifties, that's Joe. That's my dog, Hawk. <laughs> Attack. Sickums. No. Sickums. <laughs> Y'all, not me. I'm, I think it's beautiful love. I believe every inch of it. I believe every ounce of it. I hope my sister find love within that, that beautiful <laughs> football player, man, that she's attached to. <laughs> I wish them nothing but health, wealth, and prosperity. What about you, my sister? <laughs> I mean, look, you have my attention, Hawk, but I'm still, no, I'm I'm kind of on Juju's side here. I think that it's real. I don't think it's going to last, but I think it's real for what it is now. And um, I, I appreciate how she's bringing in all these new football fans who are really just watching to see the 85 cuts to her on the screen during the game. Here's what's still the deal for me. That's the last thing I'll say, and we'll take a quick break. When I was watching the game this week with the Chiefs and the Jets, Chiefs score... It wasn't even Travis Kelsey. He had nothing to do with the play. The camera cuts to the the suite. Taylor Swift is celebrating, right? And it's like, Chiefs take the lead. We'll be back in a moment. And they show her slow-mo celebrating. It fades out, and it fades back in to a Taylor Swift trailer for her movie. Mm. You got to be kidding me, right? (laughs) So I'm like you guys. I feel like it's real. I feel like it's a real good marketing strategy. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be back with more Tomahawk Show in just a minute. All right, welcome back to the Tomahawk Show. We are joined here by Joe Thomas, of course, Juju Gotti in the building, Fat Net. We also got my dog, Bruce Gradkowski joining us on the show. Of course, the Tomahawk mainstay. Bruce, what's up, brother? How you doing? Hey, Hawk, always a pleasure, my man. I'm still waiting for that 300 bucks you owe me for my bed uh, in Toledo that I left. (laughs) That I just handed down. I mean, look, man, we can get into that story, but you will not be getting that money. All right, you greedy (laughs) bastard. All right, let's get into some football topics with uh, a segment 
that we love doing on here called Am I Trippin'? How this segment works is Juju and Nat will read a headline, and then they will pose an Am I Trippin' question to Joe and myself. And we will rebuttal and, of course, have a conversation if we disagree. We likely always do. So, number one, Juju, I'm going to kick it to you to read the first headline, brother. Hall of Fame Joe says, joining the 49ers, Christian McCaffrey, CMC, has 20 touchdowns in 18 games and has a 14-1 regular season record, including 13 games in a row with a touchdown. Am I tripping, or does this make white running backs the new prototype for the NFL for the first time? See, I don't know. I, I can't read. These other people's jokes. It's hard for me to read other people's jokes. <laughs> Am I tripping, or does this make white running backs the prototype for NFL running backs for the first time since the 50s? I can answer that. Okay. <laughs> Shoot it to Joe. Yeah. Uh, I would love to hear what you have to say, Gotti, but I'm going to say that just like white defensive backs are now the prototype for what you want to see from a cornerback. You have now white running backs that that's the prototype. That's exactly what you want to see. And I'm sure you can replicate Christian McCaffrey in any college program in the country. You just got to give those white guys a chance at those premium positions like running back. It's just the opportunity hasn't been there for us. So you get stuck at offensive line like me. That is funny. You're very athletic. You are a white running back, which is why you're so good at at, at tackle, because you're now the, the most athletic tackle that the NFL has ever seen. Um, that you pr- probably could play running back at um, you know, at uh, South Dakota State, I'm sure. What do you got, Joe? I'm athletic adjacent. So, like for a big, slow white guy from Wisconsin who drinks a lot of beer and eats a lot of cheese, I am athletic. But you have to have that caveat. Otherwise, it's just not a true statement. I will say this about Christian McCaffrey. That man is different. And I, I the reason I love it so much is because he spent a couple years in his career where it was like, oh, that was a nice story while it lasted. It was cool <laughs> in Carolina. And you get him with, of course, Kyle Shanahan drink. Joe's already drinking, so that game can continue on. You get him with Kyle Shanahan, and Shanahan makes good on the talent that he really has because – the reason why he's so good, especially in this age where running backs aren't valuable, is because he really can catch the ball like a receiver. He's incredibly fast. He's quick. You can't catch him. And if you sleep on him, try to make, you know, catch him while he's putting a move on you, he'll lower his shoulder and lower the boom. So the man is nice no matter what color he is, as we all know. Uh, but they don't make Christian McCaffrey's, and I don't care what color you are, they don't make them very often. That, that's all I'm saying, Juju. What you think? I agree with every single word that came out of Joe's mouth. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> Salute to everybody involved. All right, next one, Nat. What you got? I remember when CMC first got traded to the Niners and being a Niners fan, I remember there was like a lot of mixed feelings there, but I can easily say it's like the best trade that we've made in a very, very long time. And I'm very, very glad that he is a 49er. I replayed that hurdle like 10 times yesterday. So I love CMC. And yes, I think he is the prototype now of an NFL running back, no matter what color he is. Spoken like a true 49ers fan. All right, now read the next headline. Hawk, this is for you. You've been on the record saying that Cincinnati always starts out slow and finds a way back. But fresh off a new contract for Joe Burrow, the Bengals have struggled out of the gate, particularly on offense. We also had Jamar Chase saying that he's open. He's always fucking open in postgame interviews. So am I tripping or did Joe Burrow kind of pull off like an Ocean's 11 level sized NFL heist? Oh, man. Are they saying that Joe is is weak now after he got a contract? (laughs) He has not played well. 
I will say that. And I'm a huge Joe Burrow fan because of how cool he is, because of his just like, he just seems like in the biggest moments he steps up and he does have these really slow starts to the season. He does have slow starts to games. But this one does feel a little different just because of the way you hear Chase talking. And and I typically am like, well, look, man, he's been hurt. We've all talked about that. And he will get back. Now, do I think Joe Burrow will get back? Absolutely. Do I think Joe Burrow pulled off a heist against Cincinnati Bengals? I do not believe that. I think Joe Burrow is really him. Um, but I am not giving him the out of an injury because, as we saw with the Baker Mayfield situation, it doesn't matter if you're hurt. Everybody's hurting in the NFL. If you go out there to play, the expectation is that you're ready and you got to perform. So Joe Burrow, who is now the highest paid player ever in NFL history, he understands that more than anybody. I think they figure it out. I just don't know how they do it. Bruce, I'm going to let you chime in here, too, since you're the quarterback. Uh, what do you what do you think? Well, it, it makes me have flashbacks to Toledo. I feel like that's you and Lance Moore yelling <laughs> at me on the sideline. You're always open. So we are. Uh, every receiver always thinks he's open. So I'll give him that. And, you know, you said it. Look, Joe Burrow hasn't started seasons off fast. So um, I'm losing no faith. But it's hard, man, when you're beat up coming into a season right off the bat. And he had that tweaked uh, calf. That stuff doesn't go away in, in a few weeks. That's something that's always going to linger. But I am a little concerned. I mean, they're not getting anything going offensively there. Um, but I think Burrow will eventually find his his niche throughout this season because he always does. So I'm not losing hope just just yet. Joe, what do you got for me? So this is one of the classic recurring themes in sports. And this is why the Patriots were able to have a dynasty is because once they won a Super Bowl, they didn't forget how hard it was to get there. And I think a lot of times when you get to the top of the mountain, and fans are really guilty of this too, is that you, you only remember the good things and you forget – all the grind and all the luck that had to happen mm. to get you back to that point. And so when the next season shows up, you just assume that you're going to start the climb at the top of the mountain where you finished and you forget that you go back all the way to the bottom every mm. single year. And you can't just put in an average amount of work. You got to push yourself to the limit every single day through the off season. And this is why a lot of times teams that have success have a hard time following through and following up on it because it's so hard to get there and you always forget that work that you put in. And so I'm not saying that they're not giving great effort or they're not putting in good work, but it's difficult for me to think that at a quarterback at the NFL level, no matter how great and talented you are, can miss most of training camp and then all of a sudden just show up with his receivers and have great timing and anticipation and understanding where the ball needs to go and to be able to react at an NFL pace. It just doesn't happen. The game's too hard, and it's too difficult to get there. And so I think missing all that training camp is really just going to hold them back most of the season. Like you said, it's hard to get there. It's even harder to stay there. Two things I know absolutely nothing about. Juju, read the next headline for me, brother. Yes, sir. This headline is being uh, sponsored by Hooked on Finance, ladies and gentlemen. Hooked on Finance. <laughs> Joe, is there a way back for the New England Patriots? Am I tripping or has Bill Belichick turned into a pumpkin post Brady? Well, it is Halloween, so I feel like we can call him <laughs> Pumpkin Belichick. And I have to have my whole family dress up as Bill Belichick's now for trick-or-treating because I love watching this. As much as the Patriots tormented me during my career, <laughs> it's amazing what happens when the best player in NFL history is your quarterback. And then he's not your quarterback anymore. And I think... As good as the Patriots were at adapting and staying ahead of the curve in the NFL, for some reason in the last few years, Belichick has not 
kept that same theme. And he's got a quarterback that belongs somewhere in the mid-1990s who can't move, he can barely throw, and they think somehow that this antiquated offense with a quarterback that's a sawed-off version of Tom Brady is going to somehow elevate a team that's always already a little bit low on talent. This is not going to happen. And so no matter how good your coach is, and Belichick is the best ever, but if you're not running a modern offense with a modern quarterback that can move and that's athletic, I don't think you really have a chance on a weekly basis. Oh man, that is a that's a that is a spot on take. I was gonna add to that. I don't think I should or I don't think I can because <laughs> the record speaks for itself. He's 26 and 28 since Brady left. It is beautiful to have one of the best players in NFL history. All right, Nat, read the next headline for us. Okay, Hawk, this is for you. Puka Nakua, fifth round draft pick and 20th receiver selected in the draft. Through four weeks, he has led the NFL with 39 receptions and he's leading the Rams with 501 receiving yards. Am I tripping or does his success prove that Cooper Cup and Calvin Johnson's success are overrated? Oh, that is a tough take. I don't know who wrote this. This is ridiculous. <laughs> but I do think it does a little bit. Not I, I, These are incredible players. I, I love Cooper Cup. I love Calvin Johnson, but there is a theme here. If you look at Puka Nakua's stats, he is outpacing the two best receiving seasons in NFL history. Who are those two receivers? Cooper Cup, Calvin Johnson. Who was their quarterback? Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford locks on the receivers, and he will give you 20-plus targets a game if he likes you. That is how he's always played football. Now, that doesn't mean Calvin Johnson is not great. Calvin Johnson is incredible. It doesn't mean Cooper Cup is not great. Cooper Cup is like that. Puka Nakua is a good wide receiver. He's young. He has a great feel for the game. He knows where to be. You can trust him. And because of that, Matt Stafford throws him the ball 20 times a game, like he does every receiver that's ever been his number one in the history of his tenure. I'm going to let Bruce come in here. Bruce, tell me I'm wrong. I'm not going to say you're wrong. I, I agree Smart. with you there, Hot. No, Hot. no, just say he's wrong. You don't have to kiss up to him just because he's your buddy and the host and he owes you money. <laughs> he does owe me money. Puka Nakua, though, he's a beast. I love the dude. And But look at the offense he's in. It's kind of like Christian McCaffrey. C Christian McCaffrey, the day he got traded, had to be on his hands and knees thanking God that this went down and he went to the Niners in that kind of offense. And that's Puka Nakua. I mean, thank God he goes to the Rams in this mm -hmm. offense. He knows what he's doing. He's going to be at the right spot at the right time. And you're right in a sense. Matthew Stafford, just like all of us quarterbacks, if you're a friendly target, you're going to catch the ball, you're big, you're strong, you're going to be where you're supposed to go, I'm going to come to you a lot. And that's what Matthew Stafford's doing. But it's great to see uh, the season he's starting out as a rookie. is pretty cool. If you can trust your receiver, if you're big and you're strong, I'm going to come to you a lot. Those are all indirect shots Bruce just took at me, who was his college <laughs> wide receiver and why he never threw me the ball. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back with grad school where Bruce is going to break down people's performance and give them a grade that only he knows how to do. Welcome back to the Tomahawk Show. Uh, like we said, we got grad school coming up. Um, we got a uh, current XFL offensive coordinator, Joe, I don't know if you know this. Did you know Bruce was a current offensive coordinator in the XFL? I didn't. I'm happy to find that out. <laughs> there you go. So breaking Appreciate news, you, Joe. Breaking news to Is Joe. that your entire playbook behind you? <laughs> That's it. That's it. You come in. It's one play. Actually, and and I'm, hoping to, 
I'm hoping to sign you so you could give us uh, some protection on the backside. <laughs> Perfect. I'm in. The XFL and the USFL are merging into one spring football league, so that will actually be pretty cool. My son is a huge XFL and USFL uh, fan. Bruce, of course, played 10-plus years in the NFL for a lot of teams. So he understands. He's also a former uh, analyst for PFF, so he would actually give the grades on NFL players. So we're going to go through a list of names uh, this week, and Bruce is going to give us our grade. And for the ones we want, we're going to ask him to show his work and explain the grade that he gave. Bruce, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, number one, the talk of the NFL, Taylor Swift. What is your grade for Taylor Swift, Bruce? She's got to be an A. Mm, okay, that that sounds very, very confident for I don't know exactly what reason. So I'm going to have to ask you to show your work on this one. I mean, when she boosts the sales of NFL tickets, Travis Kelsey's brand, anyone that's around her, she's boosting sales. I, I'm all in. Now, I think they talk about, about her still a little too much, but the Chiefs are undefeated since she's been to every single uh, in the mm. last two games. Yep. Uh, so I got to give her an A in that sense. Uh, I want to see who's the next uh, celebrity NFL relationship because I think it's intriguing and it does see, boost some sales. See, this is this is the part that I don't like. I feel like we're going way too much into the gossip blogs of the NFL, and this is not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to keep it X's and O's. Now, I will say that reports show that it's been a 600% increase on jersey sales for Bruce and myself since Taylor Swift came into the league. I don't know if those are the jerseys that Juju bought or what, <laughs> but those are the statistics. But the reason why I give her a C is because after one of those touchdowns, I think it was uh, Pacheco scored, she didn't really know what to do. She just started randomly hugging people around. And that's not really what you do in response to NFL touchdowns. So I think there's still a lot for her to learn. Um, but I'll allow your grade as is, Bruce. It's kind of like how my jersey sales, you just pointed one up. I think it's just because of uh, when Juju Gotti and I became friends, all of a sudden, you know, he starts buying my jerseys. I appreciate that. There it is. My man. Clearly, you got the joke, Bruce. Clearly, you got it. All right. (laughs) Joe, who's next? All right, Bruce. Zach Wilson finally had a heartbeat for the New York Jets this last weekend. They took the Kansas City Chiefs to the wire 23-20. He looked like he had a pretty good game, right? From an offensive lineman's perspective, couple touchdowns, 245 yards passing, 28-39 throwing the football. Is Zach Wilson somebody that we can count on as a Jets quarterback to keep them competitive the rest of the season? Give it a grade. C. C. He's a C for me. I mean – you look at Hold you on, just Bruce. can't drop the snap at Hold that point in the game. On, I Bruce. mean, I can't get my mind off of that. Some of these young quarterbacks are just He's handing just these games away. Um, and Zach Wilson, in that sense, man, at least I'm glad to see Nathaniel Hackett start on uh, unload on the playbook a little bit. Let the guy throw downfield. Some coaches think quick game is easier for these young quarterbacks. It's not. Sometimes throwing the ball down the field is easier. Give them some you know, max protection, let him go through some reads. Um, So they did a better job for Zach Wilson in that sense, but he's still not giving the Jets what they need to win these football games, and it's frustrating. Uh, Clearly, you don't know how the game works, Bruce. This is the second time we've done this segment. You got to wait till someone says, show your work, (laughs) before you just tail off into just giving the whole dissertation. But I... That's a good take. I I don't believe that, but I trust your take more than mine because you're a quarterback. Joe, what do you got? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I trust his take. I think he's getting a better look from an offensive scheming standpoint and getting an opportunity because 
why did he get drafted in the first place? Because he had a huge arm, right? Like, how many guys come out and become first-round draft picks because they have a huge arm and huge potential? Well, if that's who you are, give them an opportunity to throw the football down the field. It's not like you're winning Dinkin and Duncan. The guy clearly doesn't process it fast enough at this point. So why don't you at least give him his superpower, let him chuck the ball down the field, and see what happens. That's your best bet rather than playing super conservative with the young kid. Before we get into the next one, I will say that I know Bruce like for real, and I know he has a he doesn't like early taking quarterbacks, quarterbacks who get drafted early. So naturally, he's going to be he, he's going to give him what he thinks raw, <laughs> uncut. So that's just what I know, Bruce. Not saying that went into your analysis, but that's just that's just what I'm thinking. Can I add a point there? Since you're, you know, I have to follow your guidelines here. But Zach, Zach Wilson, like he does, like Joe, you said, he has the arm strength, he has the ability, but there's more to play in the quarterback position. And I think with Zach, it's good to see he took accountability after this game. It was more natural and genuine how he took accountability. But that's the main thing about playing quarterback, man. There's a lot of pieces of the puzzle. Uh, to bring this team together. And I just don't think he's been showing enough of that, you know, as well as the stuff he's shown on the football field. Mm. All right. I'm not going to argue it. All right. We're going to the next one, Bruce. We got Dion and Shador Sanders. They played USC this week. They started off getting their ass kicked, but then they came back a little bit. Shador looked good. I thought, I don't know. Give me a grade on those two for the week. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say B minus. Okay. B-minus, show your work for that one, Bruce. Way to wait there, too. So, so, so B-minus, I thought Shador did some good things. Look, I'm a fan of his. I think he's got a big arm. He's athletic. He protects the football most of the time. Just when you're playing USC and you're playing these big games, you can't hand it away. And he threw an interception early that it was just a forced throw. And an Aaron throw, he, he just missed it accuracy-wise. Um, but as far as his total package... I'm impressed. I've been impressed with what Dion's doing there. I love it. I'm a fan every week. I just thought this week when you're playing in a big game like this, it wasn't as close as the score showed. I mean, they scored that last touchdown to make it 48-41 with under two minutes left. So, you know, I appreciate their resilience in, in trying to make it a game at the end. But I thought in that first half, man, you can't turn the football over like that. There's a few throws he missed that I, I think he would want back, especially in big moments. But overall, he's a really good player. He's got, I mean, he's going to continue to get better each and every week. I think Dion's doing a good job, but I had to settle there with a B minus. Joe, what do you got? I am fully on board. I'm very impressed with the Sanders full package, just like Bruce's. Yeah, that, that came out really, really weird. Um, <laughs> yes, I love his full package. <laughs> uh <laughs> I don't quite know where to go <laughs> from there. Um, but I will say, I'm going to give them a, a D. And the reason why I give them a D is because Deion Sanders made a mistake this week. He brought out uh, Rapper the Baby, which I know I know for a fact, Joe, you have no idea who the baby is. I'm a big fan. Yeah. Um, I love babies. <laughs> I had four of them. <laughs> so he brought out the Rapper the Baby. And... The baby's had some, you know, colorful history. I don't know a lot of diehard the baby fans. And it wasn't even the fact that it was a controversial person to bring up. If you watch the video, which went viral, he he like sets it up and it was like, I got somebody that went through some adversity and he brings them out. And typically that's when you know, we've been in college football rooms. Everyone goes, Oh, snap. Everybody was dead silent. Nobody gave a damn and nobody cared. <laughs> it was at that moment I knew. 
you know what? They're not going to win this week. And that was a miss on Dion. Typically, he's been shooting shooting the lights out. I wasn't feeling it, Juju. Give me give me your perspective here because I know I know you've been on Colorado Dion watch from day one. <laughs> look, look, I have I agree one hundred percent with my brother Joe Thomas. I think he is exactly right. right. I love all little babies. Of course, never a bad word from Juju. All right, who who we got next, Joe? So we got Mac Jones, uh, a guy I recently came off the top ropes on. What do you think? Give me a grade, Bruce. F. F. It, it, oh. He single-handedly handed that game away, all those turnovers. Yeah, I don't think we need to show the work there. That that sounds pretty spot on. I don't think anybody can argue that. I mean, one. that'd be like me, Hawk, trying to throw across field right now, across my body with zero arm strength. You know what? The, the worst part about it, and here we are showing our work here, but just on the cross-body <laughs> interception for a touchdown, it was the second time he did it in four plays. The first time he got away with it, and it was like, I'm not a quarterback. Joe's not a quarterback. Juju, Nat. But we all know the, the one thing you tell quarterbacks, don't throw across your body across the field. Like That's like, that doesn't work on any level, let alone the NFL, let alone a second time after you got away with it <laughs> three plays ago. That was pretty ridiculous. And then you fumble it backed up for a scoop and score. So, <laughs> I mean, that's ugly. just it was frustrating. Ugly. All right, next one. We got Justin Fields. Bruce, give us your grade. I'm going C. Oh, C. Okay. I'm I'm gonna have to ask you to show your work on this one. Um, but I need you to be quick. Quick work. I thought a lot of good things from Justin's Justin Fields this week. I thought the the plan was right. They protected him better. A lot of drop back pass, play action pass, give him further, you know, targets downfield, good check downs. He played well for the most part, but I just can't get past a C because of the late fumble, they're up 28-7 at one point. Now it's 28-14. He fumbles coming out of a boot naked for a scoop and score. Just like that. And then at the end of the game, he throws an interception. And I know some people arguing it, you know, the tight end did not come back to the football. But watch Justin Fields' footwork. He's just early on the throw. So he doesn't allow his receiver to get to the depth and come out of his break and so with that, I, I couldn't go higher than a C because there is two critical errors in that game that cost the Bears that game. Mm. Yeah, it's hard for me to argue. Joe, you got anything for you? Nope, I thought it was perfectly said. All right, all right. Thanks, we got Joe. one more, one minute. You know, I was going to skip it, but I think we should go into it. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, they're undefeated, but it doesn't feel like it did a year ago. So I, I want to kick this for you because, Bruce, I know you you have a perspective here. What is your grade on Jalen Hurts so far this season? B. B. That's actually better than I would imagine because some people are, like, really down on him because they're saying he's not processing like he, like he did. He has not looked like the same quarterback. There's frustration on the sideline. Why do you give him a B? Well, it's just like – it's similar to the Zach Wilson stuff of why I couldn't give him a higher grade. But with Jalen Hurts, I can give him a higher grade because of the teammate, the quarterback he is, the way he works, the way he you know uh, rallies the guys around him. I th just mm -hmm. think he's a good leader in that sense. And then two minutes left in the game or last two-minute drive, they call a double move to A.J. Brown. I think it's a great play call, and I think Hurts nailed it when, when they had to. So he's doing enough to make this team successful. And you see it now. you got to be athletic and be able to move 
and you have to make plays with your arm. He's not perfect by any means, but I really do think he brings a lot of good stuff in that locker room and as a competitor, and I think that goes a long way. All right, well, it's very clear to get a good grade from Bruce, all you have to do is have intangibles as a quarterback. He definitely <laughs> over-indexes on rah-rah speeches and quotables in press conferences. Bruce, we appreciate you. Are you going to stick around for one more segment for us? Whatever you need, Hawk. Okay. But your boy Lamar, um, that's an A. I know we're not talking about what? him, but that gonna, dude. You can't just throw in extra credit. Ain't nobody uh, asked you that grade, bro. <laughs> what is this ridiculous? Okay, look, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to think about if we're even going to invite Bruce's ass back for <laughs> the last segment. Real quick, we'll be back. Yes, y'all, and we don't stop. All right, welcome back to the Tomahawk Show. This segment is called Extra Points because we're just going to talk about random shit that we haven't gotten a chance to talk about yet. Starting with Colorado's Travis Hunter, who walked away injured from a game against their rival, Colorado State. He was hit by defensive back Henry Blackburn. Essentially, uh, they connected for a viral video of forgiveness. They made uh, everyone on the Internet kind of give a sigh of, man, we are bad people. Because everybody, I mean, they were sending death threats at the kid from Colorado State. And it was a dirty hit that injured Travis Hunter, who has been out since that game against the two biggest teams that Colorado played this season, you know, but it was like one of those moments where I feel like the internet did a good thing. And specifically those two players, specifically Travis Hunter, because it probably wasn't very hard for uh, my buddy Henry to jump on there because he was the aggressor. But uh, overall, Joe, give me your thoughts, man. Is this a good thing that you feel good about or is it not competitive enough? Is it one of those moments where you're like, they don't make football players like they used to. See, I like redemption and these opportunities for guys to show sportsmanship. So okay. to me, I, I kind of appreciate that because it could have been easy for Travis Hunter to just hold a grudge and keep thinking about how can he get back at Henry Blackburn. But mm -hmm. I think it's great. As a good human, bury the hatchet, move on. Yes, it was a dirty play. Nobody would have blamed you if you held a grudge the rest of your life. But to me, it shows class and it shows you're the bigger person when you're able to do something like that. And I don't think it takes away from the rivalry at all. Yeah, I'm 5'7". I'm never the bigger person. I like revenge. <laughs> yeah. I, I want I want a beef forever. Uh, Bruce, give me give me your take. Is it is it as watered down as Joe's? Man, <laughs> I, I, I'm with you, Hawk. <laughs> I want the hate. I want to I want hate. the rivalry. Yeah. I want to see, you know, Gritty. how are we going to get a back type, you know, convos. But I think Travis Hunter, man, I give him a lot of credit because, like you said, it, it wasn't probably um, – it was harder for him to, you know, do this in a sense and uh, being a bigger person. So I think overall it is good for the sport. You know, I mean, look, you're reacting, you're playing the game. I think they brought, you know, good light to it. But um, I like the rivalries. I like the hatred in football. Yeah, so bring it back. I lean that route. Bring the beef back. Nat, what do you got for me? Are you are you kumbayaing or what? Um, a little bit. I think uh, I am only because it was like a a pretty dirty hit, and it could have been serious. It like hurt his liver. I don't yeah. know. I just feel like it got really bad, where it could have ended up a lot worse than it is. Like, I don't know. Sometimes there's a difference in certain injuries, and I feel like that one could have been very serious. And the fact that he was getting death threats, I'm glad that they, you know, Kitson made up, but. Mm -hmm. I like the rivalry aspect too. If it was a different type of injury or different type of hit, like F that stay, stay mad. Like I'm here for that too. But jo Joe, do you in this any, case, I'm here. Joe, do you have any beefs? Did you have a beef with any players, college pro? I mean, you played a million years. 
who there had to be somebody you're like I just don't like this person this person doesn't like me and it's carried on I had plenty of guys that I didn't like and it started with you but I always <laughs> felt that as an offensive lineman the last thing I wanted to do was beef with a guy who's a better athlete than me who's stronger <laughs> than me who's faster and so I wanted to make friends with all of my opponents oh, I wanted to ask on. about their wife and their kids and what their summers were like and if they took any great trips because I wanted them to go into the game and just be lulled to sleep. And then by the end of the game, they realized, oh, I didn't have any stats. What happened? I didn't even realize the game was going on. Me and Joe were breaking bread, talking about our families. We were kissing up. We were making up. We were doing the dance. And all of a sudden, the game's over. So I held those hatreds inside of me. See? And it used that hatred to be able to motivate me to prepare. But the last thing I wanted to do was inspire the guy that, you know, sometimes the defensive linemen are a little bit lazy. And I did not want to tug on Superman's cape or poke <laughs> the bear when he's sleeping. Just let that lying bear sleep. Look at you. You just you, hi, hello, your way all the way to the Hall of Fame. This is bull. That's this right, is, man. <laughs> that was my problem. Juju, Collecting what do you think? Running for mayor every day. <laughs> I know Juju. I, I already know what your take is, but I'm, I'm going to ask you anyway. What did you think I about take, Travis Hunter and Blackburn burying the hatchet? I think it's more important for the children about mm, how to see. learn how to do uh, understanding, which I think yep. should be implemented implemented in schools as a like kindergarten third grade or whatever we teach them about christopher columbus we teach them about history way too soon we should teach them what to do with their anger and that's mm. a great example of what to do with your anger as a young man up here looking for someone to look up to travis hunter made a great example and a great big brother yeah. out of that video and i salute both of them brothers for doing that yeah yeah you're a lot better than me for sure let's <laughs> see now you got to make me feel bad about my position as a role model but as a football player, I don't care. I want smoke, Juju. But I appreciate your perspective. All right, next topic. This is Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack, who has been one of the best defenders of our generation. I feel like he's kind of a forgotten man in this age of Micah Parsons, the Bosa brothers, the, the Watt brothers, uh, Miles Garrett. But he had six sacks in a game last week, and that is ridiculous. And I want to go to... Number one, Joe. Joe, what is the equivalent for a left tackle of getting six sacks as a defender? Like, I want you to make the people at home understand how ridiculous it is to get six sacks in an NFL game. The record was seven. He was one away. Um, but that what is what would a left tackle's game have to be like to equate to six sacks for a defender? Six sacks would be like me picking up Miles Garrett six separate times and throwing him over his coaches on the sideline into the stands. It's almost impossible to imagine how many opportunities you had to have rushing the quarterback to be able to get six sacks because I was at the Browns game this past weekend. I think Miles Garrett literally won every rep that he was in there and he only had a sack in the game because the quarterback just gets rid of the ball or he runs out of the pocket. And obviously Lamar Jackson is a little bit more difficult. But to be able to beat your man that quickly six times <laughs> and to be able to get the sack and pull the quarterback down is unheard of. Because if a quarterback takes six sacks over like three weeks, we're bitching and moaning about how this quarterback won't get rid of the football. So for one player to be able to do that in one game <laughs> is me throwing Miles Garrett over his coach on the sideline six That's times good. and then catching two touchdown passes on short yardage. It sounds equally crazy. <laughs> Quick Khalil Mack story. This is the craziest story you're ever going to hear about Khalil Mack. All right. Me and Bruce went to the University of Toledo. One player in my recruiting class, his name was Jalen Parmalee. He was a running back. He was a freak of nature. And when I say that, the dude didn't have an ounce of fat on him. Bruce, can, can you attest to that? He Unbelievable. Like the most physically dominating person we've ever saw. Like almost like you shouldn't be here. 
because you have you're chiseled. He's like 230 pounds, not an ounce of fat. He ran a 4340. He had a 43 inch vertical leap, but he was adopted. He was adopted by a white family in Michigan, and he was born in Florida. And he had on his like he tattooed like Florida born, Michigan raised, but he never knew his birth family. So fast forward. Jalen ends up getting drafted. He's like one of those guys that it doesn't matter like what like what kind of football player he is. If he's in a room with every NFL player and you have to draft players, you're going to be like, give me that dude because he looks that way. So he plays like six or seven years in the NFL. He was actually with us once in Cleveland, Joe, I think yep. in 2015. I remember Parmalee. Yep. Um, so yeah. Parmalee calls me about a year and a half ago. This is in a pandemic, maybe two years ago. And he says, Hawk, I found my birth family. And I'm like, yo, man, that's awesome. Congratulations. Now, meanwhile, I should say this. Another player on our Toledo team, Archie Donald, was a starting running, a starting linebacker. His little brother is Aaron Donald from the same draft class as Khalil Mack. Now, you could probably figure out where this is going because we only have about a minute left. But I was so he's like, I found my birth family. I'm like, that's crazy. Congratulations. He's like, yeah. Apparently, both my little brothers are in the NFL. And I'm like, wow, that is random, right? But it makes sense if you had the same genes. He was like, yeah, one of them is Khalil Mack. And at that moment, <laughs> there has never been anything in the world that made more sense to me. And I'm like, why didn't I realize your little brother was Khalil Mack? And, of course, I went and go watch the videos. Same mannerisms, same build, same kind of freak of nature. I remember us playing against Khalil Mack, Joe. And I think it was Mitchell Schwartz or I forget who was starting, maybe Gar, maybe it was Greco, who also went to Toledo. We had a lot of great players. We're not like Wisconsin. Anyway, in the game, it was like third quarter. We're in this heated battle, and Brian Hoyer is a quarterback. He's like, yo, somebody has to block 52. And whatever lineman was like, look, if you can find somebody in the stadium that can do it, be my guest because, damn it, I can't do it. And uh, that was like the perfect <laughs> illustration of what it was like for Khalil Mack. But I should have you guys grade the craziness of that story. Joe, what do you think? To me, it's crazy, and the fact that Parmalee is related to Cleo Mack doesn't surprise me because he was a Greek god walking around that oh. Browns locker room, and uh, he was definitely one of those guys I was not taking my clothes off in front of. I was like, man, this dude is going to judge my fat ass. I'm going to go change in the bathroom today. Oh, my gosh, man. I, I the, could not agree more. Go ahead, Bruce. The, the thing, though, is Parmalee is such a good dude, Jalen Parmalee, and, you know, I wish I would have known this sooner, Hawk, when I was playing, because then I would have pulled a Joe Thomas and would have buttered up Khalil Mack. Like, hey, man, I know your brother, you know, like, just take it easy on me today a little bit. Yep, and he wouldn't have done it because he's a maniac who gets six sacks in a game. All right, well, that does it for this episode of the Tomahawk Show. Of course, shout out to my dog, Joe Thomas. Shout out to Juju Gotti, Fat Nat, and B-Ray G, otherwise known as Bruce Gratkowski, for joining us here. We are very excited to be back. There is nothing more that we look forward to than bringing the Tomahawk Show back to you every week with the DraftKings Network and Metal Lark Media. Without further ado, Joe T, take us out. Joe Hawk yourself. Mm. <laughs> Juju loves it.